This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I was just thinking that in 24 hours, I probably will have accepted an offer on my house. That is so crazy. Meanwhile, all that effort you put into feng shuiing your office is, you know, gone. <laughs> I'm going to have to feng shui a new office in Ohio. Yeah, although maybe being in Ohio is feng shui enough. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in usually LA at the moment, Minnesota, and soon, oh hi, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about accepting that we don't have control. It is not easy, but it's necessary. We're also going to give a hit to Bravo my favorite network and I give myself a bomb related to our return from Puerto Rico then in the mailroom we answer a listener question about the process of breaking story and finally this week's Hollywood hack will give you a happiness boost but first Sarah last week in episode 214 we talked about being an insulator versus a conductor and you got a text from your realtor about this which uh, we loved (laughs) Yes. So first thing, our episodes come out like late Wednesday night, depending on your time zone. And I think people tend to listen to them Thursday morning. First thing Thursday morning, Victoria Massingale, my friend and real estate agent, just texted me, I'm an insulator. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, like never has a truer statement been made. Because as you know, I'm in the process of selling my house. It went I think officially on the market a few days ago. I think hopefully we're going to be taking offers a few days from now. Like it's all like deep in it. And Victoria is dealing with everything. I like have been almost not a part of the process at all, which has been just right. (laughs) So when she was saying I'm an insulator, I was just like, yes, you are. A hundred percent. And I could not appreciate it more. (laughs) Sarah reminds me of when I got married and my mom did everything for the wedding because we had our first show was starting and we, you know, we were a mess. Yes. And my mom insulated me from all wedding stress. Which, of course, would have been nice to have been involved in in my wedding. But she was an insulator for me. Yes, your mom is an insulator. I love that. Insulators are really wonderful to have around. Yes, important. All right. Well, good luck on the house sale. I cannot wait to hear the update on that. Thank you. 
Okay, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's accepting that we don't have control. (sighs) And that goes to sort of where we are in the process. We talked about how we finished phase one, but there are many more phases left. And while there are things still, of course, that we can control, There's much we can't control, and that is hard. Yes. It's funny that we were just talking about insulators, because in this situation, there is no one to insulate us. It is all going to (laughs) come down right on us, and we have no control over what exactly it is that's going to come down on us. The pilot is going out into the world. It's a very small segment of the world. It's going to the studio and soon it'll it'll go to the network. But it's the people whose reaction will be the most immediate and acted upon. I mean, once the audience watches yes. the show, there's we can't recut it. <laughs> so yes. Yes. we'll have to do a lot. And we just don't have control over how they're going to respond to it. As we said, we've started editing. It's gone to the studio. We get notes today. And part of what happens is that it's shown to a test audience. So maybe 30 people. Um, and it's it's the thing I think probably everyone's heard about where they um, watch with a dial and they turn the dial up in scenes they like and down in scenes they don't like. They can also sort of flip a switch or something showing that they would have tuned out. So you see as it goes along, like if someone's tuning out and I think it's pink or blue, whether it's a male or female, it's a very um, harsh process because it's designed, of course, to make us make changes so that the audience at large, when it airs, will like it more. But it's it's not designed to protect anybody's ego, that's for sure. No, and I think especially testing it at this point when we've had yes. so little time with the cut and it's so rough. Yes. Feels like it'll be a little bit arbitrary. So it just feels... To us, less helpful than usual, and yet it's still happening. And we have no control over whether it happens. (laughs) No, we don't. And we have to just let go, accept the process, also not overreact if there are certain things people don't like. We have to just sort of keep going, be the lotus in the muddy water. Oh, God. Thank you for reminding (laughs) me of that. I'm going to need that today. Yes, yes. And also, it's good to remind ourselves that we do want to get people's points of view on this. I mean, we are so close to the material that it's impossible for us to watch it with a completely objective eye. We know the story so well. Like if something isn't clear or something isn't landing, we could miss that simply because our brain fills in all missing information. Yes. So it's both helpful and As we start to get these calls with some say feedback, some say criticism, take your pick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Call it what it is. (laughs) Yeah, criticism. It's always criticism. Um, That it's literally other people's jobs to come in and be critical of the work. Like, that is why they are there. That is what they are being paid to do. It's like a huge part of their job. So, Remembering that helps and remembering that it's not personal. Like, no one is coming in and being like, you're a bad person because I don't like this scene. (laughs) 
Yes. And, you know, Sarah, Jeff Bell, who was uh, one of our bosses on Angel back in the day, the first time uh, we went to get notes from Joss and uh, Tim Minear, Jeff said, remember, your job now is to take criticism. Because, of course, he knew it would be a bloodbath, which it was. (laughs) And, you know, that is our job. Our job is to be able to sit and take criticism and 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 filter it and use what's useful and not like throw a fit and and throw things and slam the door as we've seen others do. Yes, we have. <laughs> this is the job and it's it's just not the easiest part of the job or frankly the most fun part of the job, but it's one where hopefully our tools will help us deal with it. Yes. All right, Liz, we're going to be employing all of our tools over the next several days slash weeks slash months (laughs) slash months oh god it's a fun job and we enjoy it coming up i've got a housewives hit but first this break Okay, Liz, it's time for our Hits and Bombs segment, uh, because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And Liz, you have a hit and a bomb this week. This is like all you. This is so exciting for me. Take it away. (laughs) It's all me, baby. Sarah, I have to give a hit to Bravo. You know, Bravo is my favorite network to watch. I live for Bravo. And I have found out very recently that Bravo is bringing back Heather Dubrow, who is a former Real Housewife of Orange County. She is returning to the show next season. And I have wanted this to happen for like three years. So (laughs) it really made my week because as we've been discussing, we have a lot going on and it's like, I need just these little things, you know, these little pick-me-ups and distractions. And when I saw, or the rumors true, is Heather Dubrow returning to Orange County, I was like, oh my God. I immediately uh, went down a rabbit hole of looking up articles. I listened to her podcast to hear the announcement with Andy Cohen, who's (laughs) the king of Bravo. And I'm just so excited. What's funny, Sarah, is I don't even... It's like, I don't even love Heather Dubrow. It's not like Kyle Richards, I absolutely love. I find Heather can be very sort of condescending and think that, you know, she's all that, et cetera, et cetera. But I find her very entertaining on the show. I find her to be a great counterbalance (laughs) to the other kinds of women that are on Orange County. So it's like, it's just giving me something to look forward to. Look, other people who are out there listening who love Bravo will understand this. I know to you it seems completely insane that this means so much to me, (laughs) but I know we have listeners who will understand. So if you're out there, let us know. I know it means a lot to you. Here's my question, Liz. When we went to, at your uh, insistence, although it was incredibly entertaining, the Andy Cohen-Anderson Cooper show... And we saw all of those housewives. Was Heather one of the housewives that we saw? Heather was not there that we saw that night. No. No. We saw some others. We saw Kyle. We saw... Well, we saw Jeff Lewis, Teddy Mellencamp. (laughs) I would have been very excited if we'd seen Heather. Was Kyle Richards there? I think Kyle was there, yes. I've seen Kyle so many times because I always happen to pull up next to her in my car. (laughs) Uh, Just... By chance. So I've seen Kyle a bunch. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Well, someday I'll see Heather and then I'll 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 be I'll feel a connection. I'll point her out when we see her. Okay. And then Liz, you also have a bomb. Okay, yes. I am giving myself a bomb, Sarah, um, for not following through on plan clean slate. Uh. So when you and I were leaving Puerto Rico, I mean you actually brought up the discussion of, oh, it's a clean slate time. And I was like, it is a clean slate time. And as soon as we get back to L.A., I'm going to be eating so much healthier and I'm going to be exercising more and all the time. I'm going to start picking up Pilates and I'm going to do this and that. (laughs) And I just haven't followed through. I think I wasn't fully understanding how even though we were changing locations, like nothing else was changing. Right. Yeah. I will say I'm doing better. I'm back to 10,000 steps a day. And I've kept that up, I think, every day but one since I've been back in L.A. So that's a good thing. That's huge. But I need to do a lot better on what I'm But I have to say, I think you're not giving yourself quite enough credit. I know that you've been hiking. I know that you have been to the strength code. True. If you're doing 10,000 steps a day, maybe you're just being a little hard on yourself. So you're not like you set a very high bar for what you wanted to accomplish with the clean slate. Well, this is true. You've been to me. I think you've actually been doing a lot. Okay. Well, thank you. But I'm eating. I'm not eating what I should be eating. I'm eating some of what I should be eating. And then, you know, (laughs) it hits 10 p.m. and it all goes out the window. You're doing the Sakura salads for lunch, which are amazing. Yes. But if I would only eat that, that would be great. The problem is when I go and get a handful of Cheez-Its and then I get another handful of Cheez-Its and so on. I'm going to channel Gretchen for a minute and just say, don't (laughs) let perfect be the enemy of good. Good point. I'll say this. Maybe my slate is like erased, but there's still chalk on it so it's a (laughs) semi-clean slate (laughs) your slate is in progress my slate is not it needs to be fully rinsed but uh we're working on it sarah yes it's also i will say this we're going back to puerto rico and i think knowing that we're going back and that i'm going to be living the hotel life again yeah it's like it's kind of looming like oh the pepperoni pizza from room service. All these things are looming in my future. And it makes me yeah. sort of feel like, yeah, why bother? I'm just going right. back to my old ways soon enough. <laughs> Clean slate begins in August or whenever we're back. Okay, there you go. <sighs> okay, Sarah, we're going to take a break. But I do want to tell everyone, if you love Bravo as I do, email us about how you feel about Heather Dubrow's return. You know, it could be controversial. Coming up, we are going to answer a mailroom question about breaking story. Okay, Sarah, it's time for the mailroom in which we answer a question from a listener. And this question comes from Jennifer. Yes, Jennifer wrote, I'd love to hear more specifics about the process of breaking a story. Both how the main idea of the show is separated into episodes and how individual episodes are split into scenes. First, it just sounds like an intriguing process. Second, I don't know much about breaking stories, but what I've learned from you so far sounds very transferable beyond screenwriting. I teach college courses about leadership and law and see lots of parallels between creating courses and your story-breaking process. For instance, the larger course goals are like the arcs of the plot over the course of the season. When planning a course, I then break those high-level course goals into interrelated pieces to be taught each week through class sessions, assignments, etc. 
Then in any given class period, we may be addressing a main topic, but also doing some skill building or showing how previous topics relate to this week's main topic, sort of like your A, B, and C storylines. Trying to weave it all together in a way that is both logical and impactful is perhaps similar to the blending you do to make it all work together. My process for this is always messy. Would love to hear about what sounds like a more systematic approach you use in the writer's room. I used to practice law and can see some parallels to trial preparation as well. Okay, that's cool. That story breaking is similar to law, like to law practice. Yes. What's funny, Sarah, is when we're reading that, I'm thinking, well, we need to get these techniques and apply them systematically to story breaking. And then she said, well, it sounds like you have a more systematic system. So in some ways, I think our answer is it's a very messy process, just yeah. like her process for um, coming up with her lessons that we can sort of give a general overview of how we do it. It just, there's no one way. Yes. Really, every show is different. And every showrunner is somewhat different, I think, in how they approach it. Like, you would approach a serialized show very differently than how you approach a show that's really episodic. Yes. Like an NCIS versus a... Empire. Empire, yeah. So I was trying to think of a million little things, but yeah. But what we do generally, I mean, it's funny because Fantasy Island is the most episodic show that we've ever done. Yeah. Where you have a big A story, you know, a guest star coming in who has nothing to do with the show until they show up. So what we do, though, is we do talk about the general arcs for characters, and we put all the episodes on a board, like one, let's say it's 10 episodes, one through 10. It's really a layers. And you always say that, Sarah, it's layers, it's layers, it's layers. But one of the layers is as we think of things we want for a character throughout the season, we just put them roughly in, in the episode where we think it will happen. So say someone's getting pregnant, we'll like put Kate gets pregnant, episode seven. You know, and maybe it'll be four and maybe it'll be nine. Maybe it won't happen. But we put it up there for some goalposts. And then when it comes to individual episodes, something, you know, first we just talk about a general story idea. And that's really the hardest part, I think, yeah. is figuring out what is this episode? What is the thrust of a particular episode? But something you and I do that I don't know that anybody else we know does, which I love. We put up just scenes that we like, that we want in the episode on the board. Yes. And I think this is sort of a variation on what Sean Ryan would talk about on The Shield. He always said, like, an episode needs four or five what he calls money scenes, which are like the scenes that are just that are the money, the money of the episode, the ones that have uh, like the most emotional engagement and the most stuff happening. And they can be action. They can be just like somebody having a huge realization. They can be quiet emotional scenes, but like the really important scenes in the episode. And if you have four or five of those, the episode's going to be good. Yes. And our sort of adjustment on that is just like, what are the scenes we really want to see in this? Like if it's a romantic thing like what's a fun like people are riding horses down the beach or people like these two characters need to have a really big fight or like 
it changes radically depending on what yes. the episode is. But if we're telling a story about friendship, what's the really deep friendship thing that we want these characters to experience? And that is fun. Recently, we were talking about a, a wish fulfillment for a character. And I remember one of the scenes I wrote on the board was she tries on clothes. That doesn't seem like a big deal. But, you know, in a certain kind of episode, a character trying on clothes is a money scene. Yep. So anyway, so you and I like to do that because it gets us enthused. It gets us excited about the episode. We're like, we don't know how these things fit in. We just know we want to see them. And then an episode is in network television, six acts. So you and I, and this is, again, unlike some people start from the teaser and just want to break it brick by brick. Again, Jeff Bell, who I referred to earlier, likes that method. You and I really like to think about act breaks. Yeah. We try to figure out the overall story and then figure out what the big moments in that story are. And those big moments are almost always act breaks. And some of them will be obvious. It'll be super clear that the act two break is this and the act five break is that. And then you're going, okay, we're missing a few. We need to come up with more twists. We need to have act breaks on other stories. Like what's nice, I would say, about Fantasy Island is we don't have to have act breaks always on the same story. Yes. Which is great because at a certain point, your story starts to just get convoluted if you're constantly moving toward an act break. Yeah. It's one of the problems of network TV, I think, that everything is sort of structured around, yeah, around all of these act breaks. But it does help in a way to provide a clear structure. Sometimes that's yes. annoying and sometimes it's nice. <laughs> and then the next layer, I mean, kind of the final layer and the one we were just talking about goes on for days and days. Yes. But the final layer is really going through each scene. And this is probably, Jennifer, what you do when you're, you know, really prepping for a particular class is we put in all the details. We go through each scene and we talk about, okay, what is the emotional content of this scene? What are the little details that make it pop? That's the boulder polishing that we were talking about yeah. you know, recently. And so it, but it really is layers and it's a messy process. And you can get to the end of the process and realize that you've done it completely the wrong way and you need to move the act five break to the act one break and and kind of start over although at that point once you have a big realization you're usually quickly rebreaking yeah and then in that process you're fine-tuning the character arcs over the course of the acts to make sure that wherever your character starts in act one and where they end in act six has a clear arc, that it doesn't sort of veer off in a weird direction or, you know, it's all, as we say, it's all about the layers and fine tuning. And that part happens. And this is what's different, I would say, than in a law class is like it happens over weeks and weeks and weeks and over so many different phases. Like we do the breaking of the story, then we do the outline where things change and then we do the script, and then we do notes on the script, and things change again, and mm -hmm. then we do the cut. And You know, it's like, it's almost a never-ending process until, yes. you know, you really lock 
picture and then it goes on the air. Yes. We could talk about it all day, frankly, <laughs> um, because it is a, it's kind of our life. I mean, that is, again, I was saying one of the big things in our job is taking criticism. Well, another big one is breaking story and it's consuming. So it's interesting to kind of break it down. Yeah. So thanks for your question. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack. And this one is all you, Sarah. Hits and Bombs was all me. The Hollywood Hack is all you and yours. Yes. Well, it's it's all me, courtesy of Violet. <laughs> so one of the things that Violet has discovered on YouTube, which is not something that I watch, like, at all is these pet videos before and after. So it's like a little bitty tiny puppy and then a ginormous dog. And they're so cute. And so whenever I'm like in a grumpy mood, sometimes I will hear Violet just like laughing in the next room hysterically <laughs> or doing like, ooh, ah, it's so cute. Ooh, ah, and I'll walk in and <laughs> she's watching these before and after pet videos. And if you need a pickup, like if you just need a mental break in your day, if you're feeling crabby and you need something that is guaranteed to make you feel better, look up these before and after pet videos on YouTube. It's like, oh, they're <laughs> so cute. They always put me in a better mood. They always put Violet in a better mood, like if she's feeling down or crabby or bored some things on YouTube you want to avoid, absolutely, but before and after pet videos are not in that category. I absolutely <laughs> love them. Even if you're not a dog or cat person, I would contend you will enjoy these videos. Before? Do you just Google, like, when you're on YouTube, you just sort of search for before and after pet videos? I have to tell you, I have no idea because Violet always does it, but yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that would work. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Violet, Thanks, for that. Violet. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, the king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and everything happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, I was just thinking, like, we're actually going to be able to record in person again. You said king of remote recording. And I was like, Chuck's not always going to be remote recording. We'll actually be there again. Yes. Although I will point out you're going to be living in Ojai. So it's quite a commute. Well, I'm going to have to do some commuting. It is what it is. <laughs> I can't wait. From the Onward Project.